0: Hello, Eloise, and everyone Yay. in podcast land. I'm here with Bert. He is, uh, he's been left alone quite a bit in the other rooms. He owns the whole house, <laughs> he lives everywhere. And but he knows when I shut this door, he can't come in. But today, we're going to be very forgiving and allow him to be here because a poor guy. You know, with mommy working so much, he's just letting me tickle him. Oh, so I need pretty. to. Yeah, this little sweetness incarnate. I've been calling him my little chicken lately. So, as you can hear, I'm shuffling the cards, <laughs> thinking about the world on this Memorial Day. Yeah, 11th and the 11th. Yes. So, we're going to split the cards. And we've got, oh, not such a great card. No. One of my favorite cards. So the Seven of Cups. Mm. In some decks, they call this the debauch card. So, you know, there are several things that can occur this week. I'm oh, not so but I can feel this sort of drain in, in energy. So mm. it doesn't necessarily mean that this card will. Um, happen particularly to the individual but if being that this is the energy of the week you could feel that other people are draining so you want to watch that you are not getting caught up in someone else's addiction so of course that could be very extreme like someone is addicted to something Yeah out there, and that addiction is draining your family. You know, if there's a gambler or a, an addict, of course, that makes a lot of sense. So it's just um, very simple to read it that way. But we also need to remember, we're each and every one of us has a particular addiction based on our, our preconditioning. So we can have addictive thought processes. So even sitting around talking about someone or gossiping, you know, oftentimes uh, women can get together and think they're each other's therapists. Yeah, (laughs) it could be very therapeutic to sit around and, you know, drink some wine or sit over a coffee clutch. It can feel very therapeutic. We need to go talk to our friend. But, uh, you know, there's a cautionary tale there. You know, I remember when I was young. That's how I would try to figure things out. Um, you know, with friends that I I respected and honored. Mm. But I would ask them to spot. You know, let's say I told a story I'm having a difficulty, I wanted them to spot within me, sort of my blind spot. I used to say, "Spot my lie," but it's really, I "Look at my blind spot." And you know, um, understanding that Nietzsche said that convictions are greater foes of the truth than lies. Mm-hmm. So if you, you think about that, you know, think about how a conviction, something you are so convinced of can block our perception of the truth. So I think that is a, a wonderful way to look at oneself. If I have a conviction that within the paradoxical brain, within my mind, because there's a ton of emotional attachments to whatever thoughts are in the mind, it can be memories, it can be belief systems, it can be, we often say, well, you know, this is what I learned from my family. So it's their thinking that's influencing me. Mm. Well, yeah, and no, at the same time, there's the paradox. Because one, yes, the family thinks of it, but there's nobody uh, to blame Uh, because when did the belief or the conviction begin? We don't know. We, we could go back 18 generations and the, the conviction could have begun, begun and handed down from generation to generation. Now it's landed on your lap. So you are actually, or I am, one is, uh, very, very convinced of that ideology. And we can also have a conviction that no, that's not my ideology. That's not my belief. It is bothering me. I don't want it. I need it to go away. Well, the your first step is to realize that you're the one believing. It. Mm. Whether you rebel against it or you conform, you're you're rebelling or conforming around the same ideology. So if you believe you should please people, and then somebody rebels against that and goes, I'm not going to please anyone, I'm going to please please myself either way you're stuck in a paradox because your convictions are i'm just going to constantly react to no i'm going to do this for myself so that goes back into the the brain where we have uh the the, the, we have dharma written in the brain in the thalamus Mm -hmm. and it 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 says, well, either we're self-serving or in service to self. So it's really being clear. Am I in service to self or am I self-serving? Once we're self-serving, it can be a reaction or a rebelliousness that is not true rebellion. So here we go into this. um, That is debauched, right? That is debauchery that I think that every time I'm asked to do anything, I'm just going to say no. That's, that's not thinking for myself. That's just reacting against a particular ideology. So because this is a cups and I'm talking about the mind, we need to understand that a lot of the mental um, constructs that we have or, or convictions we have are most certainly attached to emotions. Mm. And those emotions become congested and blocked because we have this ideology that holds it in place. So that's what I'm referring to as an addiction. So now we're just going to kind of tune into that a little bit and see if we can discern, where am I being uh, rigid this Mm. week? Where am I following my own convictions? Just seeing a conviction can release it. But once we start feeling the emotions and we start to get all emotional about a conviction, we can start to blame based on the emotion. We can blame based on the conviction. And of course, together, it's very, very addictive. Mm-hmm. It's almost intoxicating, right? When we have a... Um, an active memory, as we call it in body talk, you know, our memories, our thoughts, our convictions, all engaged with, with an emotion or uh, attached or, um, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, let's use attachment. Hmm. Attached to an emotion, uh, we can become um, basically uh, lazy thinkers because now we're just responding to. Uh, almost that miasma, let's say, or that um, matrix or that, it's almost an entity on its own, like Carl Jung said, we can be anima or animus possessed, but we can also be ideologically possessed. And usually we're ideologically possessed because we think the ideology is gonna save us. (laughs) And of course, tarot, um, and a lot of work that you and I do, and many people out there, Jordan Peterson, um, uh, well, those are my, I'd say, the favorite people, you know, people who are practitioners yeah. and that don't necessarily um, adhere to an ideology. They're constantly questioning um, themselves to see whether they're, they're holding on to a conviction. And the archetypes of the tarot are great ways to see, well, there's an archetype out there, um, but I don't need to be possessed by mm. the archetype. I could use the archetype. I can reveal things through the archetype. I can understand that archetype. And that archetype can actually um, shift and, and change what's going on inside. So for those of you who who are interested in this, you could go back to our podcasts on fairy tales and, and check those out. You know, because those fairy tales, when you're listening and you keep exploring, you know, more and more of what it means, I don't think that when I talk about a fairy tale that um, my study is finished. I'm just beginning my study and I keep re-looking at the fairy tales to see what else is going to emerge that also works with neuroplasticity of my brain. And creates more and more flexibility so that I have more and more opportunities, more and more possibilities in life rather than adhering to one thing, which obviously comes back to debauch. That's where we get addicted. And and to work with our neuroplasticity is wonderful. So remember, when you listen to the fairy tales, you might come up with different ideas. And then you would want to keep going and exploring more deeply into those Ideas that you have to help your brain think. And that will help release the blocked emotions. And once that occurs, you have a a different system. Uh, Pain can be reduced. um, Problems in the body can be reduced just through our flexibility. So that's our week this week. It's not a great card because it's difficult. But there are ways to deal with it. And if you'd like me to work with fairy tales a little bit more, let me know. You know, i would love to come on and maybe do that as well again. You know, just work through one of the fairy tales. We can look at something short and see what's going on. We can get feedback and we can explore more deeply. Remember, this is an exploration. I don't think I know anything really. All I do is explore and question. And I love when people ask questions, that are um, not, that do not contain an assumption. We often say, we often ask a question like, well, don't you think that we should all have blank, blank, blank? Well, no, I don't. That's another conviction. Mm. That's an assumption. You're saying that I should assume this. So I I don't want to answer those. You need to question uh, appropriately, like, where can we go uh, what kind of question could we ask? So let's say I figure something out about this card. And then I, because I'm positing questions within myself. What else, what does an addiction mean? How am I addicted to things? And I find different ways to explain it. Of course, no one's hearing me as I mean it. Right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't necessarily hear things uh, the first time, the second time, the third time, or in, in my case, it's 50 years of studying self-inquiry. And every day is a whole new adventure into understanding. Uh, well, not really, I don't know about understanding, but into questioning. You know, so we're we're, we're studying the human experience when we're inquiring. We're studying the human experience through tarot, but not our personal um issues and propagating those as precepts for living Mm. right so when we when we propagate something as a precept for living um it becomes difficult except when we're propagating something that's non-directional meaning if we say well what exactly is compassion and we explore that we're we're able to unravel some of our um rigid convictions about compassion and how compassion works. So the more we explore, let's say a single, a single concept, one word, uh, the more we de- deconstruct the mind. And of course, if you can feel that right now, as I deconstruct the mind, my emotions are free to move. Mm-hmm. They can leave yeah. the body and that's seven of, of coins. If they're congested, there must be something holding them in place and that can be many, many things. But at the minimum, we have an option by asking very, very specific questions. So we do that in tarot. And of course, you're welcome to take our course that begins in January. Oh yeah, we haven't announced that. So we're going to do it. Don't tell them. <laughs> oh, no, don't tell them. Well, you, know, it, you don't. we we'll to announce do that people, it. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> We can always let it out a little <laughs> bit, right? Teasing A little we, excitement. We all, We're building the excitement, yeah. We're building the excitement, yes. So that's for this week. And I'm very curious to see how we result it's next cool. week. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, for being with us. And we look forward to your questions. Thank you, Yay! Elise, as always, for being on the Thank, thank you. Me. And uh, we'll catch up with everyone next week. Yes. Cool. Okay, ciao, bye. ciao.